Hello and welcome to the Young Fabians podcast. I'm your host, Will Barber-Taylor. Today I'm speaking to Conor O'Shea, Generation Rent's Policy and Public Affairs Manager. Welcome to the podcast, Conor. Hi, Will. Nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to your listeners. It's great to uh, speak to you, Conor. It's great to you. Um, I'm sure the listeners will enjoy uh, hearing from you. Now, the first question I'd like to ask is, could you explain to the listeners what Generation Rent is? Of course. Um, Generation Rent is what we like to term the national voice of private renters. Uh, we're a campaign organisation fighting for the rights of tenants, those who live in a property owned by landlords, um, to try and improve their situation. We've got lots of supporters across the country, those who sort of engage in our campaigns and work with us to start, sort of enact the positive change that we're looking to do. Um, but we're also really active in government. So we we speak to parliamentarians and we speak to local government and we sort of try and bring about change that way as well. Um, we've been going since 2013 as sort of a, we initially came about as a conglomerate of um, tenants organisations. And now we work really broadly on a national level um, both individually and as part of other sort of broader campaigning coalitions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, there's been a big development in the private rent sector recently, hasn't it? A new piece of legislation um, which has just been published, the Renters Reform Bill. Could you explain to the listeners what the major changes in the bill are and why change is so important for the private rented sector? Absolutely. Um, it is an exciting time. In the, the renting campaigning world, it's safe to say the Renters Reform Bill was released uh, a week ago as we were as we were recording, 17th of May. Um, but to be honest, it's been a long time coming. Renters have been waiting a very, very long time for this piece of legislation. It was part of the Tory party manifesto 2019, to, uh, some of these commitments. And uh, it's only now that we're seeing them. So it is exciting, but also long overdue, it's safe to say. Uh, what I would say the most important the headline um, bits of policy inside this legislation, the big one is the abolition of Section 21 no-fault evictions, which currently exists in the guise of if you're given a Section 21, which you can be given at any time after the initial period of your tenancy by a landlord, for any reason, uh, you must leave your home within two months. That's currently the law, and that's the big change that we're going to see is that that's going to be taken out. And now a landlord will officially need a reason to evict you from your home, which is really positive on a couple of levels. Um, There are other things that we are really pleased that we see. Um, Most notably, the property portal, which will have basically a national landlord registry. So you'll be able to tell, you'll be able to know who you're renting your property from, and they'll have to go through various hoops to ensure that they're able to be registered on that system. Mm-hmm. And of course, the publication of the bill is only the first stage of it becoming law. There are all, lots of various other stages um, that has to go through before it gains royal assent and, and becomes law. How long will these changes take to become a reality? When are you expecting them to um, be in place? It's a great question, Will. Um, I wonder we're all sort of hoping to find the answer out to relatively soon. Um, This is the real start of the parliamentary process. The first reading was last week in the House of Commons. Uh, If we're being realistic, including the summer bill, the summer recess that we're going to have, I reckon it's probably going to be Christmas at the earliest that we have changes. And even then, if you're in a fixture, if you're in a tenancy by that point, uh, it will take a little bit of time for it to kick in. Uh, We really, really hope that everything is signed, sealed, delivered and enacted 
by the next general election. Um, and it would be a real disappointment to renters across the country if it wasn't. I hope the government know that, um, but we are going to keep them honest on that front, it's safe to say. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of um, private renters are young, many recently graduated, etc. And I imagine that a lot of people listening um, will know what it's like to be a private renter, will know how difficult it can be. But how difficult do you think it is to be a young private renter? What do you think are the main obstacles for young people entering the private rented sector? It is really difficult being a young renter. Um, believe it or not, I'm not too long out of university myself. I definitely class myself as a young renter, even if the demographics are slowly moving against me. Um, but it's a really, really brutal time to be a renter of any description, but very specifically to be a young renter. Um, the obvious first is that rents are really high. Rents are basically at the peak of affordability. Um, on average, it's about 37% of an individual person's income that goes on their rent. But in practice, in, in big cities and lots of places where younger people live, and actually because of the, the lower rate that younger people tend to earn, it is higher proportionally for the young. So rents being so high is a massive barrier. Uh, there are a few others. Uh, the cost of a deposit is really difficult. Money up front that people have to save for, uh, and that's something that people don't readily have especially if you're moving between tenancies and deposits um, don't, despite generation rent's best efforts, don't passport across to your next one. So if there's any dispute with your landlords, you're going to likely be out of pocket for quite a lot of money while you're looking to stump up for the next one. That's a really big one. Um, And to be honest, the security of tenure is still an issue. We're waiting for the renters reform bill to fix that. But while you're living in a world in which you can be removed from your home in just two months, it's really difficult to have stability as a young renter, especially. Um, and hopefully some of the things will change as a result of the renters reform bill. But some of those underlying problems, I think, will still remain and it will still be a really tough sort of market out there for the young people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and and speaking of young people, um, renting as a student um, can seem different to when you're renting as a, a graduate. It can seem a bit different. But what changes do you think that the renters reform bill will make to renting as a student and how informed do you think renters who are students are about their current rights because renting as a student can seem quite you know you're at university you're studying your degree can seem a bit different to renting when you've graduated when you're working a full-time job it absolutely can um there are loads of things that are slightly different as a student i mean generally speaking students pay quarterly and in the real world, in university commerce, not to demean university students in any way, uh, you pay monthly. So a, a lot for a lot of people that would be tied into their student loan, um, and that just gets paid in one chunk, and then it's gone. Um, the Renters Reform Bill is looking at students. Um, admit, uh, according to the initial legislation, there won't be any difference between the student sector and between and uh, the sector more broadly. So the same protections that are going to be afforded to, to renters in the wider market will be afforded to students. Um, but we are hearing that that might change and that over the passage of the bill in Parliament, students will be taken out of that and they'll lose those protections um, in the name of giving student landlords extra security and knowledge that their properties will be, will be available for the next cohort. Um, we're not particularly happy about that if it were to happen as generation rent um, but we'll have to keep an eye on the bill and see whether there are any changes to what students will be offered. It's worth noting that actually in the renters of Bill as is, 
their students in purpose-built student accommodation, so blocks that um, have been built for the university specifically, usually dorms, um, those will be exempt. So you will still be able to be evicted from those as is the old rules. And do you think that um, in in terms of the sort of the, the knowledge about renting, do you think that um, universities and student unions could perhaps be doing a bit more to promote information to students about renters' rights and things like that? Yes, they absolutely could. Um, in our experience of engaging with students and student unions and actually the NUF itself, over the in advance of the renters' reform bill being published, there is a lot of um, there's a bit of a knowledge gap in terms of what this bill will produce for students, and I think that there is a responsibility of university administrations and of student unions to ensure that their members are fully informed as to what their rights are and also to what these changes might be. It's a really sort of key facet of being a student, being part of a university, is your housing situation. And you do need protection from both of those institutions as they come along. Um, I don't know if you engage with your listeners on, the, on this topic, but I'm sure there'll be some strong views kicking around as to what the universities do do for students and their housing situations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and of course, we, we've talked a lot um, about the bill uh, and the rental reform bill is going to be going through Parliament um, over the coming months. What parts of the legislation will Generation Rent want to ensure are as robust as possible and are there any parts of the bill as it stands that you think could be improved does the bill do everything you want it to no it's safe to say the bill doesn't do everything that we want it to and it doesn't do everything that we need it to do to be effective the government have brought it in um with some fanfare to try and uh sort of present it as a uh, championing of kenya so meaning that um, renters would be more secure in their properties and they'll be more able to put roots in their homes in the knowledge that they're not about to be evicted. Um, that it's a noble cause, something that we absolutely support, but there are some holes in the bill which will mean that some people won't be covered by that. We've already discussed students who may or may not be um, removed from those protections, but there are also still a few grounds by which landlords can have possession of their property again um, and basically evict you if they claim a reason. And these reasons include if they want to sell the property, it includes if they want to move family members back in or if they want to move themselves back in. And in truth, if that happens to you in a post-rented reform bill world, as the bill looks now, you'll have no further protection than what you currently do. So that's something that Generation Rent and other organizations will be looking at really strongly is to ensure that you can be afforded more protections in those circumstances to make sure that landlords can't just throw you out after with two months notice. Uh, we also have concerns that they might be abusing those grounds. It looks relatively easy to do so as the bill is written. So we'll be looking to close some loopholes and ensure that that's not something that can be a sort of wild west situation. Um, because ultimately, the reason why we want rid of Section 21 is to give people rights and to give people security of tenure knowledge they're going to be in their homes for a long time if they wish to be but also what it does do is it empowers renters to challenge their landlord when conditions are difficult so a great example of this is if there's damp and mold in your property and that's dangerous and it's making you ill um, but there's a chance under the current rules that if you were to flag that with your landlord and say you need it sorted you can just be evicted from a section 21 no fault eviction no reason given and somebody else is forced to come in and live in that situation. Um, so having the power as a renter to 
flag conditions in your property without risk of a revenge eviction is a really key part of what's going to make this bill really good if we can get it all through. And those loopholes would undermine that ability as well as the ability of people to plan their lives and their homes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, One of the issues that is a big part of the current renting crisis is the lack of housing. If more homes were built, how much of an impact do you think that that would have on the current private rental sector? Well, you're absolutely right to identify that as the sort of underpinning factor as to why things are so difficult at the moment. It's certainly the number one cause of why rents are so high and why it's such a competitive market to find a, a property in somewhere where you want to live. Um, we just have to be building more across all housing types to take the pressure off the private rented sector. Um, it's absolutely fundamental that that's done as soon as possible. Um, both of the major parties are currently going through a bit of a, uh, how do you put this? They're going through a bit of a learning curve on what they think uh, house building targets and sort of the broad policies of building are going to be. And I really hope both of them are able to come out with good offers for young people to say, look, we know that there's not enough homes in this country. We know that people are struggling and we're going to address that. That's a fundamental part of what needs to be in the next election manifesto from both sides. Absolutely. You, you touched upon um, damp and mould um, a moment ago and, and renters in the social housing sector um, have seen changes with the introduction of Awab's law after the tragic death of Awab Ishaq. Mould and damp, as, as you mentioned, is a real problem in the um, private rented sector as well. Do you think that we need Awab's law in the private sector, uh, the private rented sector, as well as in the social housing sector? Being technical, Will, it's, it's worse in the private rented sector than it is in the social rented sector. That's not by any means to play down um, the difficulties faced by social tenants, that it's terrible if it's done for more than any home. But we know for a fact that the PRS, the private rented sector, is the worst type of uh, housing tenure for dampened moulds and especially dangerous dampened mould. Um, so yes, we absolutely do want our law to be extended to the private rented sector. Whether that's a part of the Renters Reform Bill or whether that's a different piece of legislation, it almost doesn't matter. It just has to be brought in. Um, Michael Gove, to his credit, has been really strong on this issue. He was absolutely keen to get something in as soon as that happened to Awabishak, or as soon as the news was um, was out about Awabishak's death. Um, and we have to hope that that steadfast commitment that he's proven before will um, extend as far as the private sector as well. In fact, it is imperative that it is to people's health and well-being across the country. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and do you think that sometimes there's um, sometimes a, a lack of realisation as to how dangerous, um, in, if it gets really out of hand, damp and mould can be in houses? Because, you know, you will obviously hear some people who may um, say that, oh, well, a bit of damp or a bit of mould, it's, it's not that dangerous. But obviously, if it, if it spreads and, and becomes a serious problem, it can have a, a real impact on people's health. Do, do you think that that's something that's not hasn't been as recognized as much as it should be the impact it can really have yeah most certainly most certainly and um, it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about student unions and, and um universities giving knowledge about what the housing sector should look like that's a prime example of something that should be discussed in those conversations the flag to students sure look this isn't normal this is something that's really dangerous and this is something that does need to be addressed um there's a bit of a, a paradox in this is that 
uh, dampened mold is something that comes about through natural life. There's no necessary fault in that. So, for example, if you do your washing or if you uh, breathe, which I think most of us do, um, in your home, there's going to create this condensation, there's going to create this moisture. And when it's not warm enough, when there's not enough ventilation, both of those things may not be the fault of the tenant, especially when energy bills are so high. And we know that this has been an issue that's been really acute this winter in particular with, with the shambolic state of energy bills. Um, then dumping mold is going to appear. And it needs to be addressed as a sort of wider industry problem than just have a, oh, sure, your lifestyle is contributing to the amount of condensation and dampened mold that happens in your home. And therefore, it's your fault. And therefore, I won't help attitudes that comes from some landlords and some housing providers. That's what we need to challenge. And that's something that does need to be a sort of very widely educated part of being a part of the private rented sector, be that as a student or be that as a young professional or a young, young renter anyway. Um, I, I'm, because dampened mold is so dangerous, we've seen that from from the case of Arabishak and so many others. Um, that, and it really, really does need to be a central tenant of an education scheme, and it needs to be something that all tenants are aware of. Absolutely, and I, I mean, you you mentioned um, energy bills. There, do, do you think that this is something that um, renters in particular are really concerned about the rising um, cost of energy and, and just the rising cost of living? Because of course that difference say between um someone who's is paying for a, a mortgage even with um, mortgage rates um going up and say someone who is um renting the amount of rent that's increasing and the amount that's going up in, in food and etc is going to have much more of a, an impact on them isn't it than than people in different housing situations yeah, of course it is i think everybody is aware of that everybody who's in the private intersection is acutely aware of how much the bills are going up um, that includes their rent. We discussed it earlier, but the, the rental prices at the moment in this country are just so high. It's such a massive barrier. Um, Generation Rent did a survey last winter when energy bills were as high as they have been in a very long time, as we all know. But actually, when they res- the tenant survey, the response to the question of what is the biggest concern you have payment-wise this winter, number one was the rent. So even when utility bills are as high as they are, and this is not excusing utility bills at all, of course, um, rent is such a massive concern to private renters. Um, they are at the behest of landlords, at, ultimately. So if the landlord wants to charge however much they like, broadly speaking, there's not a lot that renters can do to challenge that. There is a tribunal, um, which I would encourage people to use if they do feel like they're having an unfair rent rise. But a lot of the time, the market rents dictate what they're justifiably allowed to charge. And market rents are spiraling out of control. So people really are struggling with that when it comes to the cost of living. But like you said, it's just one pea in a pod of many, many rising bills and, and huge issues that are facing renters and people across the country more broadly. Um, it's something that we do need to address, you know, as a government response and something that the housing sector in particular needs to look at. But ultimately, there's no silver bullets. And it's something that that we need to have long term strategic thinking about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, finally, I'd like to turn to the housing and renting policies of um, Labour. How much of a consensus do you feel that there is between both major parties on the need for change to the private rented sector? It's quite a difficult question, actually, at this particular moment in time. You've asked it at, at this key juncture when the rented reform bill has just been released. Um, this is something that, as I referenced earlier, has been part of the Conservative Party manifesto since 2019. So it's officially been in waiting for four years. But 
uh, I would imagine that there will be some resistance within the Conservative Party ranks of some of these reforms that are coming in, even though there is broad consensus across tenants and landlords that reform is necessary. Um, so we'll see over the next few weeks and months what the sort of state of play in the Conservative Party is when it comes to the private rental sector, because they really hold the keys to passing a lot of this legislation, um, especially as we know Rishi Sunak is quite keen on doing things on his side of the house. Um, this will also sort of be quite instructive on what the Labour Party's policies are. Um, they're still seemingly formulating a lot of that, uh, and it will be in response to how the debates around the rents reform bill go, because to be honest, the, the state of play in private renting will now be framed through the passage of this bill until it's done, I would imagine. Um, so there is an opportunity for the Labour Party to take the lead here, especially if there is uh, a bit of Tory infighting that goes on, which may or may not happen, we're not sure. Um, to step out and, and be the party of private renters and, and push to go further on some of these issues that we've been speaking about over the course of this podcast, um, to really give an offer to young people, or to, to be honest, people of all ages who are um, who are in the private rented sector and would like some hope. Um, but ultimately, uh, we do need to see progress on both sides. We need to see both parties stepping up, working hard and bringing through legislation not the Tory party at the moment, but whoever may be in government next time around, continue to bring through legislation that benefits private renters and sort of the housing market more holistically. Because this isn't a problem that's going away and it won't be resolved by this one bill and it won't be resolved in, over the course of this parliament or the next or the one after that. It's something that constantly needs to be moving. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time um, to speak to me, Connor. If people want to get involved in Generation Rent, how can they do so? I would heartily recommend that you do. Um, generationrent.org is our website and if you go there you're very able to um, support the campaigns that we're running either by signing up for uh, mailing lists you can make a donation if you wish there's um plenty of petitions on the go which should really put some pressure on the government um but what i always like to point people out to as well is the section on our website about knowing your rights and hopefully that's about to be updated with some new more positive changes in the renters reform bill but even as it stands, if you go through that section as a private renter, you'll be given a very clear outline as to what your rights are in certain situations. And hopefully that will um, inform tenants to hopefully end up in a bit of a better situation than they might be. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again for taking the time to speak to me, Connor. And um, I completely agree with what you just said. Everybody uh, who is in the private rent sector or even those um, who aren't, get involved with Generation Rent and make sure to, to sign up. Thank you very much, Will. Take care.